Welcome to Jim Lang's Retire Secure Podcast, where smart money talks. Throughout his career, Jim Lang has made it a priority to provide his clients, readers, and friends with useful, cutting-edge information, as well as peer-reviewed financial and tax planning strategies, so that they can make the most educated decisions and really get the most out of what they've got. We hope you enjoy the following special read broadcast from the Lang Vault. And please stay with us until the end so you don't miss more information on how we can help you protect your wealth and ensure your family's financial security for the next generation. And now, Jim Lang. Gifting. Gifting. It's so critical that you keep an open mind to gifting because let me tell you what happens. And I've been doing this close to 35 years. And let me tell you what happens in reality. People are afraid of running out of money, but typically, at least so far in my career, virtually all my clients die with more money than they had even after they retired. They always assumed, gee, am I going to be able to make it till the end and not run out of money? And they use very conservative assumptions, which is sound, um, about how much money they're going to need, and they don't want to spend more or gift more than that. But so many, and what is very, very typical, gifting isn't really an important part of their thinking. And a lot of times it costs the family tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, even sometimes a million dollars or more because they didn't gift. Um, If you are taking some after-tax dollars and you are gifting it to your, let's say, kids or grandkids, and we'll talk about the various forms of the gifts, um, you are potentially cutting your own income taxes, you are potentially uh, reducing your own estate or transfer taxes. Um, The other thing is you are often distributing money to your kids or your grandkids when they need it the most. Um, Leverage gift, that might be when you are using the money to gift, not for your kids or your grandkids to spend immediately, but for their long-term security. And they put that money into Roth IRAs and 529 plans, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And again, for those of you who know me, I'm a big fan of buying experiences, um, not just not just money. And my favorite way to spend your money is to, being the generous guy that I am is to have you sponsor a family vacation. And if it works out well, to make it an annual event. So why don't we talk about a couple types of gifting uh, that I think is really important. One is a plain old unrestricted gift. Here's some money, go do whatever you want. Um, Or you could say a gift for a specific purpose. Now, technically, uh, it might not qualify as a gift that will not eat into your exclusion. I don't want to get into the technical part, but let's call it a gift with a, um, a recommended purpose. Like, here's some money. I recommend that you use this money to pay for a Roth IRA contribution or a Roth IRA conversion or a down payment for a house or a down payment for a car so you can drive to your new job or, you know, that sometimes is a little bit more um, acceptable to somebody. I, I like the idea of a gift with a purpose. 
uh, even charity. Um, you know, you could give $2,000 to the food bank or the food bank wants to buy a truck for $80,000. And if we get 40 people to contribute $2,000 each, we can buy a truck for the food bank. Well, to me, that sounds, I like that idea. And I actually went to a seminar because the tuition was $2,000 that was going to buy um, 1 40th of a food truck uh, to help people that don't have enough money to buy their own food. So I kind of like that gift for a specific purpose, although that's a charitable gift. I'm talking about gifts for your kids. Then there's the gift of the education, which of course is the 529 plan or actually paying tuition directly, life insurance, which we will touch on. And then there's some more specific gifts, uh, sometimes with some specialty situations that I will also not go into. Again, 529 plans, life insurance is a variation of a gift. Um, by the way, before I even get to that, this is the utilization of money. And this is what a lot of clients really don't get right, despite my best uh, attempts. So um, I'm gonna change the facts a little bit to preserve confidentiality, which I usually do when I talk about uh, real life situations, but I'll oversimplify. Two people that had way more money than they were ever gonna spend during their lifetime. And one was very, very conservative with gifts. They, they just hardly ever gave any money to their, they each had a child. Both of those children had very meaningful careers. They were both working in the nonprofit sector, not making a lot of money, right? They were financially responsible. They were mature. Uh, they, you know, there, there was, in my opinion, no good reason not to make the gift the parents could afford it. One did help their child substantially. And that child who, was, who had a job for, with a nonprofit doing meaningful work that the parent approved of, that fulfilled that child's you know, sense of satisfaction and mission, um, but also with the gifts was able to afford to live in a relatively nice house, was able to put some money away for their kids, that is the grandchildren's of the donors, um, money for college, and have a pretty reasonable lifestyle, even though they didn't have a great income. The other family in virtually the same situation hardly ever gave any money to their child who was in a meaningful career, living just above the poverty level. And when that client dies, that child will probably be in their 60s or 70s, will inherit millions of dollars, well past the point when it was really meaningful. You know, they, they, the child never got married because they didn't think that they could afford it. They didn't think they could afford kids. And I'm thinking the first couple got the idea that yes, we can use our money to help our family, not just after we're gone, but we can do that now. So very important. Okay, life insurance. Life insurance in, in the context that I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about term insurance, um, that you should have if you are working and if something that you have a premature death uh, and your, let's say, spouse and or children are counting on your income, that's a replacement of your income. That's typically laddered life term insurance. I'm talking about permanent insurance where 
Um, upon your death, a certain chunk of money will go presumably to your kids, income tax-free, estate tax-free, inheritance tax-free assumption. Now, in the old days, the insurance companies um, and the insurance agents had a strategy called pension rescue. And the way pension rescue worked is that you took one or 2% of your IRA and you cashed it in and you had what was left and then you used that money to pay the taxes for a life insurance policy, typically a second to die life insurance policy because I'm, I'm a cheapskate. I like low premiums and big death benefits. One of the ways you get that is to is to not have the policy paid until both spouses are gone. And then after both spouses are gone, the money comes to the heirs, income tax-free, state tax-free, et cetera. So let's just say for discussion's sake, you buy a million dollar second to die life insurance policy. And let's just say over your lifetime, a reasonable rejection of total premiums might be 300,000 and the death benefit uh, that occurs as the insurance companies call it, when the policy matures. In other words, after you and your spouse are gone, pays a million dollars. Well, who paid tax on that $700,000 of growth? You know, well, the answer is nobody. Um, is that million dollars in the estate uh, that will be subject to the tax? And let's assume that it was handled correctly. Uh, the answer is no. So there's enormous tax benefits of life insurance. Most people, most of my clients certainly uh, have a natural disposition against life insurance, and I get it. But math is math. I usually present it, and then people say thanks, but no thanks, and that's fine. Um, but it, I would not be doing my job if I didn't say, hey, this might make sense from a math standpoint. So let's look at the math. Um, again, I always like to do apples to apples, same investment rates, same tax rates, same everything, um, including, uh, in this case, if you don't buy the insurance, I'm assuming that that money is going to be invested and ultimately left to your kids. But to oversimplify, the family that did buy the insurance uh, measured over the life of their kids, and we're talking about insurance of a million bucks here, is better off by $2 million over the course of their lifetime, which is pretty significant. And then, of course, what we really do, we don't, there's, I can't think of any time that we've just said, okay, there's one strategy that you need to, to use and that's all you need, whether it's Roth IRA or whether it's gifting or whether it's a new estate plan or whatever it might be. Almost inevitably, the best retirement and estate plan is going to combine many strategies. And that's what we love to do. So let's just say for discussion's sake that we combine life insurance and Roth IRA conversions. Both, by the way, they are more similar than you might think, because if you use the pension rescue where you take out a little bit of your IRA, you pay the taxes on the IRA, you take what's left, you use that money to buy a life insurance policy, that's kind of like the same thing as a Roth IRA, where you take money and from your traditional IRA, if you will, or you convert that, you have to pay taxes on it, uh, and in return, you get tax-free growth. But with, let's say, life insurance or some of the other gifts like 529 plans or money to use tax to pay the taxes on a Roth conversion for your kids, you, that money is not only tax-free for your kids, but it's also not included in your taxable estate 
for estate taxes. So that is pretty cool in, in the combination using certain not totally unreasonable assumptions uh, is the difference between literally millions and millions of dollars uh, for your kids. So again, we like to do the math, have you ultimately make the decision, but the math will usually support uh, at least to, at some point, and again, depending on your situation, um, potentially Roth IRA conversions and life insurance, or even forgetting Roth IRA conversions and life insurance, if we, and I don't have a chart here, just comparing doing gifts versus not doing gifts. A uh, real simple example. Um, I sometimes recommend really big gifts. Let's say that people have a lot of money. And I sometimes say, well, why don't you give each kid a million bucks? Oh, gee, Jim, let's even assume that, that you could afford that. Let's just keep it simple. One kid, one million bucks. You make it, and let's forget about the exclusion of the uh, 15000 a year or 16000 a year. You give a kid a million dollars now, all right? And let's say that you live 20 years um, or 30 years uh, between the time of the gift and the time of your death. Uh, let's just say 30 years. Let's say you're 60 years old, you make the gift, and you die at 90. Well, and let's say it's a million bucks. You reduce your estate by a million bucks, right? No. You not only reduced your estate by a million bucks, but you reduced your estate by the growth on that million dollars between now and the time that you die. So let's say you do a million dollars, and let's say it, it let's say that if you didn't die, that you would have invested that money. Let's say that that investment would be at seven percent. Uh, you'd have um, let's say in in ten years it would be two million, in twenty years it'd be four million, in thirty years it would be eight million. Yes, you're using your exclusion. I don't want to get into that discussion, but you could just that gift alone of a million dollars can potentially reduce your taxable estate for estate tax purposes by $7 million. Let's just say the estate tax rate is 40%. You can save two or $3 million by making these significant gifts, forgetting income taxes, and there's other income tax benefits just by the estate taxes. And that is the thing that people are most reluctant to do. So I am going to bring that up to think about it. And the other thing is, um, you know, I, I heard I heard a talk recently by a guy named Jim Dolly, who is, um, he makes recommendations to doctors and, and people in the medical community. And his thinking is, hey, if you've already made it, be generous. You know, help your kids out, help your other relatives out. You know, be generous when you, go to the restaurant in terms of your tips and et cetera, et cetera. And I, that really did impact me. And sometimes this gifting um, you do for a lifestyle, the improved lifestyle of your family. Of course, everybody's going to say, well, aren't you going to ruin your kid's motivation, et cetera, et cetera. And possibly you have to certainly take that into account. Terrific book on that. Um, Roy Williams, Preparing Your Heirs. But um, there's some major, major financial advantages to variations of gifts combined with other techniques like Roth IRA conversions. Okay, um, <laughs> quick, quick story. So when I had my radio show, I was uh, fortunate enough that Jack Bogle agreed to uh, be one of my guests. And this is the CEO and the founder of Vanguard. And uh, he lives in Malvern, or he, he has since passed, 
and he lived in Malvern, Pennsylvania. And, you know, I was in Pittsburgh. Malvern is, let's call it, outside Philadelphia. I thought, you know, he's getting older. If, if he is willing to do this in person rather than doing a phone interview, which is the way I used to do it. Today it would be in Zoom. But the way I used to do it was phone interviews. Why don't I drive to Malvern? We can do this uh, interview in person. And he, you know, and at the end of the interview, interestingly, he's, he told me I was the best prepared interviewer he ever had. And I thought that's really sad because all I did was read a couple of his books and put together what I thought were intelligent questions. And I didn't want to zing him. So I said, are these questions okay? And by the way, he said yes to all of them except for questions about Vanguard. And I get it because he's kind of like dad and kids aren't doing it exactly the way he wants to do it. So he didn't want questions about Vanguard. But anyway, uh, at the end, I say, well, is there anything else that you can think of? And yeah, and then he gave this uh, favorable quote, which I won't read because it's on the screen. But anyway, he said, well, with this complex world, I think most people need some kind of help. So um, why don't we do a quick wrap up of some of the things that we have talked about. Don't pay taxes now, pay taxes later, except for Roth IRAs, Roth IRA conversions. We talked about the best order to accumulate money. Um, you know, that is match, then Roth, etc. subject to those exceptions. Very important to get that right. We talked about the best order to spend money. Um, you know, if, let's say you have, again, IRAs, retirement plans, Roth IRAs, highly appreciated, not highly appreciated, which dollars should you spend first? We talked about distribution options at retirement. We talked about the SECURE Act. We talked a little bit, not much, about some of the important uh, provisions of proposed regulations and the SECURE Act 2.0 that, that was passed by the House but is not law yet, but we think that we are, that we think that will become law. Uh, we talked about gifting strategies. Um, we talked about combining strategies. So all, the, all these things are really important. So why don't we talk a little bit about what might be a next step for, for some of you. Um, and, and by the way, even if we never do business, um, if I have helped you in some way, and you, especially if you take advantage of some of the free resources that we are going to offer, which I highly encourage you to do, that makes me happy. I got a note once from somebody who said, I've been following your advice for years. I've been doing so much of these strategies that you recommend that I feel I ought to pay you. Well, no, no. I, you know, there are certain situations where you should not accept money. I actually had a client leave me some money. Um, I didn't take it. I, I disclaimed it. It's not appropriate. I was paid for services for that client. Um, I should not benefit from when, from their death other than the cost of the estate administration that our firm will earn because we will actually help that family uh, do that. And by the way, I will also mention that gifting was an important part of that, of, um, for, well, I would say of a lot of people's strategy. Um, so I love our team 
and our financial master plans and our running the numbers and the strategies that we get. And very frankly, if, if you do take advantage of the uh, retire secure consultation that I'm going to recommend that you do at least consider, um, you'll talk with me and you'll get a whole bunch of these strategies. Just like, you know, I mentioned that there was a builder and an architect and they both gave me great ideas. I'm, I'm probably going to do business with one of them, but the other one gave me a great idea. I'm not doing business. That's, that's okay. On the other hand, I'm probably more interested in people who are serious about doing services with us uh, than just getting a free second opinion. Um, in fact, I'd encourage you not to. If you know darn well, you're not going to do business with us. We hope you've enjoyed this special edition of Jim Lang's Retire Secure Podcast, where smart money talks. If you've had your questions answered and would like to schedule an appointment to meet with Jim, call our offices at one 800 387 1129. That number again is 1 800 387 1129. And if you would like to attend one of Jim's upcoming virtual events, go to paytaxeslater.com forward slash webinars. That address again is paytaxeslater.com forward slash webinars to reserve your virtual spot today.